This podcast is sponsored by the Social Enterprise and Crowdfunding Conference. Learn more at secfc.co. Hello, everyone. This is Devin Thorpe for Your Mark on the World, and we are fortunate to have with us today a pair of extraordinary individuals who have dedicated their lives to social entrepreneurship specifically because of their Christian faith. Josh Kwan and Dave Blanchard are co-founders. Dave is the president of Praxis. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you very much for being with me today. We're grateful to have you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for for having us. Uh, Dave, I wonder if you would just Walk us through quickly what Praxis is. Give us the quick introduction. Sure, uh, my pleasure. So Praxis is a, a organization that was really formed to help entrepreneurs who are coming uh, from a position of their Christian faith. Uh, and we wanted to, in a, in a setting where they have um, peers and mentors who share that faith, uh, equip their organizations for, uh, for success in the world as they go out and try to have, have impact. Fantastic. Josh, I wonder if I could get you to comment on one of the challenges that I sometimes see with uh, religious-oriented social entrepreneurship activities. Uh, And and I I think this is a real issue, and and I say this as someone who's deeply religious. Uh, Why there there are people who react negatively when we associate... Uh, our social entrepreneurship with uh, religious activities. And I wonder, Josh, if you would just comment on why you think that is and how you deal with it when you deal with people who uh, question uh, question your motives, question your actions, your value when you associate it with uh, a religious uh, motivation. Sure. Uh, happy to do that. Um, I, I think all people who try to change the world for the better who try to create virtue in society and, and um, serve other people. They do it from a framework of a worldview. Um, you know, I think there's a, whether you're a religious or not, or you have a faith or not, you do have a worldview about how the world looks and why it's the way it is and why, where it should go. And so I think um, people, you know, Christians or Jews or Muslims, they have a particular set of ideas about how the world works and how um, they are motivated to improve the world. They're called to um, uh, take their talents and their gifts and resources and uh, help those who are less fortunate or disadvantaged and to create a, a culture that's um, more virtuous, um, that has more generosity, that's um, uh, more forgiving, that shows more grace. And these are values, I think, that we all share. Uh, Christians have a particular understanding of how those values came about, right? And we believe in a, a God, a uh, who gave his son to die for our sins and, and all the rest, but um, I think there's a common good I think that we can all agree upon. And that common good is what we should focus on when we try to collaborate with one another across different faiths. Um, so when, when we think about uh, our work, we think about how uh, we maybe uh, uh, have slightly different motivations, but maybe a common goal, a common desire to see uh, um, uh, the world be a better place. Um, and I think we can be, we as Christians can be great partners. Um, if you look at the, the global church, the church in so many parts of the world is 
is a place of community, a place for people to spend time together, a place where people want to volunteer and give their time and resources. Um, and uh, they want to help their neighbors. And so I think even if there's an organization, a nonprofit or social enterprise that doesn't have a particular faith behind it, um, they can reach out to the church as a partner because the church is so well-networked and has such great credibility in so many communities. I think that's a great, great insight. Uh, Dave, I want to explore with you a little bit um, about uh, what motivates you, what drives you. Uh, you've devoted yourself full-time to this. Uh, I, I wonder if you could express in, in, in really personal terms why it is that you are doing this. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the question. Um, well, I'd say, you know, Real briefly, my, my personal journey to Praxis was um, always an entrepreneurial one, but uh, frankly, in my earlier days, I was really focused on what entrepreneurship meant for me. Um, what value could I extract out of the world that would benefit me um, and allow me to live a life that uh, gave me the autonomy and financial resources and things like that that I wanted. Um, but I actually came back into my faith. Uh, growing up a pastor's kid, um, didn't really fully embraced that for a while after uh, going to college. And so what, what motivates me today is, is actually something uh, the opposite, I think. Uh, James K. A. Smith says that redemption is a, a reorientation and redirection of our culture-making capacities. And I really like that idea. Uh, I, hope, I hope that I can reorient and redirect my capacities to help other entrepreneurs um, also see the, the possibilities for them to do that. I, I know how hard entrepreneurship is, um, but also how fruitful it can be uh, when directed in the right way. So my hope is to work with Josh and, and the rest of our team to kind of un, unleash those possibilities with entrepreneurs. Fantastic. And uh, Josh, I'm wondering, um, what are the changes you most want to see in the world? What I realize you probably work with a broad range of entrepreneurs, but but I suspect, if you're like me, that there are some projects that get you more excited than others, regardless of the uh, the nobility of the people involved. There are probably some things that you love to see. What What are the things that really float your boat? Yeah, um, thanks for the question, Nick. You know, I, I'm passionate about uh, people who are who are suffering and who have uh, lives that are just significantly harder than ours. We are so fortunate to be living in the United States and to be uh, in a place where there's rule of law, where there's economic opportunity, where we have a chance to practice our religion freely. Um, I think in the vast majority of the world, uh, it's a day-to-day -day existence. Uh, there's grinding poverty out there, and there's horrific violence. Um, these are injustices. This, this breaks God's heart. It breaks my heart, and I imagine it breaks your heart, too. This is why you are motivated to do what you do. Um, so on a broad level, I, I would love to see a, a world where people can, can uh, you know, worship freely, can uh, exercise the dignity of work to provide for their families, um, to, to be able to uh, live as they as a, uh, uh, want to practice their faith and, and uh, love one another, and, and really just be a place where we can exercise the virtues of you know, generosity and, and, uh, uh, and, and community. And, um, that sounds very abstract, I no. know, um, well, but there's, a, yeah, there's practical steps you can take along those lines. And, no. Yeah. Dave, I wonder if you can give us some examples of some of the social entrepreneurs that you are working with or have worked with in the past 
that are that have kind of been through your programs and are out there making a difference in the world? Sure. Um, well, we have uh, we have 48 organizations in our portfolio right now that are, are working really across the spectrum. So I'm going to do a disservice to the ones I don't mention by by uh, the ones I do mention. But um, I'll say uh, we've got uh, organizations like. Uh, matchbook learning started by Sajin George that's trying to turn around our nation's bottom percent of, of uh, bottom five percent of public schools. Uh, we've got um, Mark Sears from Cloud Factory who started a business in Nepal uh, that's employing thousands of people through uh, helping uh, do data work for Western companies. Um, we've got uh, Tegu, uh, a, a company focused on toys based in Honduras that manufactures high-end toys. Uh, to give uh, employment to over a hundred Honduran folks and is innovating in uh, the spaces of 401k and savings plans for those, their employees. Um, and we've got uh, we've got folks who are uh, working in science and, and genomics. Uh, Jimmy Lin uh, was part of our first class uh, with the Rare Genomics Institute helping children who uh, wouldn't normally have access to great um, scientists get access to them. Uh, so you can kind of see it's, it's across the spectrum and across the world and uh, we, we enjoy it that way. Well, it's it's fantastic. I think I uh, met Jimmy once upon a time. Great guy, uh, and I recently connected with another of your entrepreneurs uh, that's working in Uganda the, with the Akila Institute. So, uh, yeah, you got some great people out there and doing great stuff. Uh, what, uh, Josh? When what got you started in this? Uh, what were what were the early steps that helped bring this together from your perspective? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think when when Dave and I looked at uh, looked at what young people are passionate about these days, you see this when you do your interviews. Uh, so many people want to start something, or they want to join a startup. They want to be part of changing the world in some in some corner, right? Um, and and we see this uh, huge wave of entrepreneurs coming into the scene and you know, entrepreneurs these days are are some of the most res highly respected people in society right if you look at when um, people talk about Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg these are people whose uh, influence goes well beyond the company or the nonprofit that they started um, and we think about how um, uh, the entrepreneurs worldview is expressed in the world right uh, wouldn't it be something that uh, would it be great to have uh, people more people like um, um, like uh, uh, Scott Harrison, who started Charity Water, who are passionate about changing the world, um, and do so from a winsome perspective, right? And then challenge the way that charity is conducted, and challenge the issue of transparency uh, of, of clean water. And so we want to create a program where people can think about uh, the expression of their faith and uh, create high-caliber organizations, right? Um, they're producing wonderful, wonderful change in the world. So we want to create an environment where people can sort of explore their faith um, as a believer, as someone who's a CEO, as a founder, as an entrepreneur. How do you manage all those tension areas around faith and work and family? Um, how do you invest your time? Um, how do you treat your people? How do you think about what you create in the world? I think that your worldview should have some influence about what you produce and service or product, or whatever you do with your company or nonprofit. Um, so we think that we have those kinds of conversations in our in our community, right? So we want to take a step back, and we want to be able to invest in the people that are in our program, so that they have amazing uh, spiritual lives and personal lives and family lives, every bit as strong as 
the company or the nonprofit that's just going gangbusters in growth. That's fantastic. I, I uh, really appreciate that perspective and you're bringing that uh, orientation to, uh, to social good. I wonder, uh, Dave, if you would describe the program and uh, your investment strategy and, and I guess what I'm wanting you to do is kind of explain to a, a Christian entrepreneur who may be listening to this and isn't familiar with your program what it does, what they get, and and how they should engage with you then to participate. Dave, did I lose you? It seems maybe I lost. We lost Dave. Josh, maybe you could pick that one up. Sure, I'd be happy to. So our program, we we uh, have two tracks. We have a nonprofit program uh, for nonprofit entrepreneurs, and then we have a business program. Uh, for people running companies. Uh, we take 12 organizations in each. We have three meetings during that program uh, time period. It's last from six to nine months. Uh, those three, in those three meetings, we have, uh, we're able to uh, draw our fellows together, and we, have, uh, we fly in mentors to, to spend intense time with our fellows. We think about providing four key things to our fellows uh, that will provide them success in in their personal and, and, and organizational lives. So we have a peer community for them. Uh, people who are A-plus entrepreneurs with great ideas and, and a desire to express their faith. Um, we have a world-class mentors who sort of climb the mountaintop of success, but also have been through some valleys and uh, can walk entrepreneurs through the hard times and ask the hard questions and, and be, um, be there as a resource. Um, and then we also think about connecting our fellows to like-minded capital. Um, capital sources, introductions to capital sources. And the final piece is that Dave and I are part of a core team of uh, Praxis uh, mentors, and, um, and, and we have a, a small staff and some part-time people who invest deeply with their skills and talents. Um, we think about uh, storytelling. We think about uh, fundraising and um, raising capital. We think about how they can uh, uh, refine and identify their, their impact model and really uh, understand how to uh, share the results that they've achieved. So we think there's some common things that every organization needs, and then once they get on site to our program, we really tailor their experience to connect them to uh, conversations and mentors that they need to that they need to grow. Fantastic. Now, Dave, maybe you can just tell us in, in, to wrap up here how people can connect, how what the application process is like. If people want to join your program, what do they do? Yeah, thanks. Uh, the uh, application process uh, for each program open at a different time. Our business application process is actually open as we speak, closes July 1st, and then the program runs from October to March of 2015. Um, <clears throat> our, our nonprofit cycle will open up in October, uh, 1st of October, and uh, that will close uh, end of the year, and then that program will kick off in April of 2015 and go through September of 2015. So uh, the best way for, for folks to uh, connect with us, though, is to, uh, is to shoot us an email. Um, applications at Praxis Labs is a great place to email uh, if you're interested in applying for the program. Uh, we like to get to know people before uh, they fill out a form on our website and tell us they're interested. So uh, we're happy to, happy to do that and have a quick chat or, or trade emails. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate your time today and wish you every success in your great work. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Devin. Yeah, thanks again for having us. All righty. Let's do some good.
This is Devin Thorpe. Thank you for joining me today for this podcast, which was recorded during a live broadcast of this interview via Google Hangouts on Air. A video recording of the interview is available at youtube.com slash devinthorpe. You can learn more about the work of the Your Mark on the World Center at yourmarkontheworld.com. The one-of-a-kind social enterprise and crowdfunding conference on September 26, 2014 at the spectacular Snowbird Resort near Salt Lake City will bring together leaders from across the country in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. Register before August 31 for just $60 at secfc.co. The roster of speakers will include Rodney Sampson, author of Kingonomics, Francis Batista, the leading animal rights advocate, and other luminaries. See the full list of speakers at secfc.co. Social entrepreneurs attending the conference will have the opportunity to pitch real investors at the conference. Nonprofit leaders will also be given an opportunity to make a pitch for microgrants and to conduct a one-day crowdfunding campaign during the event. Learn more at secfc.co.